God's been so good to us. I want you, if you can, you turn this on for me, um, Nathan. Um, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to give you five basic principles or areas of, of a Christian's responsibility in 2020. We're going to hit these right off the bat in January. Start next, mon next, um, next Monday. Next Sunday. And um, we'll go in the morning and we'll hit the second one, go through, thir through the third, fourth, and fifth one. But I want you to see this. Let's go ahead and stand and read in Matthew chapter 5. Um, in 2020, what an idea. Isn't it great to have good ideas? And um, I want you to um, see this and I want you to read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says this, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want you to read again with me the final verse in verse number 16. Let's read it together. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Peter, could you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. We're looking at um, 2020 and an idea for, for some of these things, these five things. If you would live by these five principles, have you ever heard the statement, my dad used to say it all the time, he used to say, you need to get your ducks in a row. You ever heard that? I wanted to respond to him and say, I don't even know where my ducks are, let alone put them in a row. Have you ever tried to put a duck in a row um, and, and get them to stay? Yeah, they'll follow each other, but you try to do it yourself, it won't happen. We need to get our ducks in a row when it comes to 2020. We need to make sure we know what we're doing and what God has for us. Do you believe that the Bible has things for us to do and it tells us to do them? How many of you believe that? All over the auditorium. We're supposed to follow what the Bible says. So let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, we read that last verse. And verse number 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, what, why I want to stress on this is the little word called good, good works. We're supposed to do some good works. Now, works won't get your salvation, but it sure does show people around you who your salvation is in. And so I want you to see this, and I want you to, I want you to put this into perspective. In 2020, what is new in 2020? What's new? The year's new. How many of you have resolutions? I do. I have a couple. I've not shared them with anyone. I'm tired of breaking some of my resolutions, right? So you just keep them to yourself, pray over them, and see what God does. What do you do with a resolution? Well, resolutions are only for the first three days in January. No, they're not. It's always, as, as a Christian, we're in a building form. If we don't grow, something's wrong with us. Right? You have a child that does not grow. You're going to take that child to the doctor. Now, as a Christian, you must grow in certain things. You must grow in certain areas. So we're going to look at some of these. And, and in 2020, I want this to be the best year of your life. So in 2020, let's just look at a couple things really quick. There are five areas of, of a Christian's responsibility in 2020 that I would really want to hone in on. And here's the five coming up. And let's look at these really quick. Number one, they're basic, by the way. 
And I want to say, if you don't think Satan does want you to do this, you're crazy. Satan does not want you to do the basics. There are certain things that you wouldn't do and come to church on Sunday morning. I would hope, for all you people that have hair, that you would brush your hair before you came. Amen? Because some of you don't need to brush as much, but you need to brush it. What about your teeth? You need to brush your teeth. What about taking a bath and making sure you're clean and you smell good, amen? Don't you think God wants you to do that? Put your best foot forward. Well, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I remember doing that as a teenager. I remember some of the things that we tried and, and some things that we, we wanted to do ourselves. Mom, don't tell me what to do. Men, do you remember when you first started shaving? My, my mom finally said, you need to get that little thing off your lip. I was like, what little thing? She said, those three hairs you have sticking on your lip, you need to cut those off. <laughs> you know, there's certain things we must do, but these are basic things in the Christian's life. And the first one's going to be highlighted. We're going to talk about reading. God wants you to read. And specifically, we're talking about His Word in just a second. You know, this morning I told you, leaders are readers. You've got to read to be a leader. Because you need to get information. You just can't wait for the movie to come out. You need to read. The second one is this, talking. You think God wants you to talk to Him, and do you not think that He talks back to you? Absolutely He does. I don't want 2020 to be the year where I just do whatever I want to do. You ever have an idea, and you know, you know hey, it's a good idea, but then you, you put it up against God's Word, and it's not, it's not right? So which one do you think God wants you to do? He wants you to do what the Bible says. And so we need to do the, we need to do the talking. What about this? You think God wants you to follow Him? Did he just give us the Ten Suggestions or the Ten Commandments? And there's more, way more than Ten Commandments in the Bible, but these are, these are not suggestions. When the Bible says to love your enemy, is this a suggestion? Who said that? Jesus himself said that. He said you need to love your enemies. Do you think he lived it? I do. We've got to follow him. So we've got to read, we've got to talk, we've got to follow, and the next thing we've got to seek. Can you imagine, we have, we have this the, called the hunt, uh, the, the Saturday before Easter, and can you imagine if you hit all these eggs and, and then you said, go find them, and they just held their basket out and wanted them to come in and fall in their basket. Now, there are some younger kids that we would deal with that you basically put eggs in their basket. I mean, you could hit them with an egg and they wouldn't know it was an egg. But for the most part, what do you do? You try to hide them so that they can find them. And when you find it, guess what? It's a good thing. So we're going to talk about seeking. So reading, talking, following, seeking. And then the last part is doing. <laughs> Growing up, my mom and dad, they'd always have things for me to do. And if I forgot, guess what they would do? They would remind me. One of the biggest things that I had to do is take out the trash. Now, some of you younger people in here, you don't understand what before DVRs are. But my mom would always say something to me, and she'd always do it at either 625, 725, 825, 925, or it would be on the 50s. What, would, what would, that would bother me for is I'd be watching a TV show, and she'd say, you need to go take out the trash, and then she'd put this, this three-letter word behind it. What was it? Now. And what she was trying to train me is if I'd have done it before, I wouldn't have to do it then. 
My mom was only about five foot one or five foot two, but her arms were about eight feet long. I remember one time I was in the car and she said something to me, and I, you're not going to believe this, but I smarted off to her. And I thought I was out of the distance of her arm. I was not. And she did what the fisherman did. She reeled me in. And then she started telling me what I need to do. We need to understand that just because someone tells us to do something does not mean we're doing it. You think God wants you to do certain things? Read the Bible. You'll find out God has many things. Now, the first one we're talking about reading, it actually amplifies everything else. Because if you're not doing the first one, you're probably, you might be able to talk to the Lord, but you're probably not following, seeking, and doing because you don't know what He's saying for you to do. And again, we're going back to the basics here. So let's go to the next one. And I just want to point out a verse to you. Why should we read? Why should we specifically read the Bible? I love the study when we went through Psalms 119. How many verses are in Psalm 119? How many? 176. Each, each letter has its own section of eight verses, right? And remember when we look through it, every verse, I think except five or six of them, did not refer back to God's Word. That whole chapter that David wrote was all about his Word. And there's one that we all know in this verse, and it's Psalm 119.11. And it says this, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Why in this verse should we memorize Scriptures? Why should we read Scriptures? Stop us from doing wrong. My mom would always quote two verses with me. Therefore, to him to know, do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The other verse she would, rep re she would repeat and repeat, and, and I, I don't know if she just liked the Apostle Paul, but she'd always repeat this verse, do all things. Can anybody quit finish this verse? Without, you would know, did your mom quote that to you? Okay, you're just thinking of me when you're saying that, all right? The Bible says this, do all things without murmuring, and disputing. Have you ever met somebody that disputes everything? You ever had someone that murmured? What do you think God thinks of us murmuring? I have heard little kids, kids murmur and I don't like it. I don't like it when they talk behind their parents' back. I have seen kids do that. I have seen kids when their parents tell them to do something, you can look at their eye and you know they have no desire to do what their parents ask them to do. And some of them will even mouth the words, you know. They'll, they'll try to imitate what their mom said. And, and you know what I always do when I, when I see kids like that? I pray they have kids just like them. You've heard me say this before, but I had a, a rascal of a teenager. He's now a pastor. His name is Tim Treber. One time he came into my office. He was giving me trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble. And I said, I knew he was going into ministry, and I made this statement to him. I said, I am going to pray that your kids act just like, your teenagers act just like you did it to me when I was a youth, youth, your youth director. Wasn't too long, he became a pastor. He was a youth pastor and became a pastor. When he was a youth pastor, he and we didn't talk for very long, but he wrote me a letter and he said, thank you for everything you did and please quit praying that prayer. 
Sometimes we reap what we sow. The Bible says this, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Don't underestimate what the Bible says. You've got something in your hands that is precious. God wants you to have, He wants you to understand. He also says if you seek it, He'll show you what it means. You might not understand everything. Don't start with the book of Revelation. There are some books you can read. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are very easy to read. Pauline epistles are easy to read. They'll tell you what, what you need to do and what you don't need to do. But we need to read it. The Bible says, Though a word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. I can tell you this, when I study David, he knew God's word. And when he did wrong, he tried to make it right by, by claiming God's word. Brother Cook was saying sometimes he whined a lot. If you, know, if you read his writings, he'll say things and then he'll finally come back and say, okay, everything's good. I, I, God, you're better than what I'm in my situation. You're helping me out. Everything's okay. He realized who God was. Let's look at some, how many of you are numbers people in here? Anybody? I should have, you should raise your hand, sir. You're not a number person in your accountant. All right, here we go. There's another one. How many of you like numbers, okay? I'm going to put some numbers up on the board. I want you to see this. When we look at numbers, see the number 66, that's man's number. No, that's not what I'm referring to. Anybody know what that is? Books of the Bible. There's 39 in the Old Testament. 27 in the New Testament. What about this number? Anybody know what this is? How many chapters are in the Bible? There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Look at the breakdown. 929 in the Old Testament. And then there's 260 in the New Testament. Let's break it down even a little bit further. Tell me what this is. This is verses in the Bible. There's 31,102 verses. In the Old Testament, I think there's 23,145. In the New Testament, there's 7,957. If one verse is taken out, it changes the whole thing. We have a complete Word of God. That's why I believe in the King James Version. Some verses taken out, especially when it comes to the blood, we don't need to take out of the Bible. Blood's very important. So we have all these verses. Let's go back to that second, second one. 11,089, let's see if we can figure this one out. All you math majors out there, what does this mean? Oh, man, what is that? I know 365, it means something around here. What does it mean? How many days are in the year? There's 365 days, amen? It's going to go by quick. In fact, when you get to my wife's birthday, you're halfway almost through January. January 12th. 1,189 verses. If you, multi, if you divide it by 365, you get 3.257. Let me give, let's round that up a little bit. So if you want to read through your Bible in a year, you know how many chapters you have to read? Four. You know how long it takes to read a chapter in the Bible? Now, you're going to say, well, Psalm 119. I know Psalm 119 is long. But the average, book, average chapter in the, in the Bible takes about four and a half minutes to read. And I base that on my phone. I have blue letter Bible, and if I push the blue letter Bible and I say, read it, it'll read it to me, and it'll tell me how long it'll take. It's about four to five minutes, somewhere in there. So what, is, what's, what am I asking you to do? 20 minutes a day. And you can get through the whole Bible 
in a whole year. On the back of the auditorium in the foyer, we had this piece of paper. It's right here. It's from last year. We're going to put a new one up this next year. I think there's 24 people on this that signed that they would try to read through their Bible in, in a year. I want you to come back and tell me if you did. I'll never forget. I'm not going to say who it was, but someone called me this year, and they called me the day that they did. I want to say it was in December. They called me and they said, this is the first time in my life, I've read the Bible and I've read chapters in the Bible, but I've never read it through. And he goes, this is the first time in my life that I've read it through. And I could find excitement in this, in this man's voice. Now there are some verses, some chapters that are hard to read. And some of the begats and the begats and the begats and the begats and the begats. You've been there. And then there's some of those names. I don't know what mother would name their child Bigtha. But he, they did. I'm going to tell on Ray. How many of you have ever been golfing? Okay. Have you ever hit the ball and you, hit, you, say, you say the statement, they hit the ball fat? Meaning you hit behind the ball and the ball goes. Well, I was golfing with Ray the other day and, and he looked at me and if I had taken his, his thing out of context like I'm about ready to do, it really offended me. He looked at me and he said, you're fat, but you're good. I said, can I try that on people and see what they say? I said, Ray, if you said that to the normal person walking down the street, you saw a big person, you said, you're fat, but you're okay. That would not be a good thing to say. You know, we have all these names, but I also want to say this to you. If you study the Bible and you look up a name, the names in the Bible mean something. They're not like our names. You might have named your child after something that meant something, but for the average thing... I don't think we even know what Megan and Meredith even mean. We just like the sound of it. So we've got to realize that God wants us to read it. Let's go to one verse. Let's go to a verse in the Bible. And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you can't talk about the Bible without looking at this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17. You cannot look at the Bible without, when you're talking about reading the Bible without looking at these verses. These verses mean a lot. Let's follow along as it goes. You can look up here. They're going to be up here too. It says in this, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Look at some of the words that I highlighted. What's the word all? I love they ask the little boy, what's all means? He says, all is all and that's all all means. All means everything. There's not a verse in the Bible there's not a word in the Bible that we shouldn't look at. This morning I was with the, the singles in the career, college and career, and I, and I brought up the book of Jonah. We were, we were talking about the book of Jonah, and really when you study the book of Jonah, sometimes you don't understand why it ended the way it did. In fact, when it ends, we don't know if he ever got his heart right. And he's the one that had the largest revival of everybody in the Bible. And yet he was more concerned about what? A gourd than he was a soul. Now I would like to think that he changed his mind later. But why was it written in there? It was written so we would understand some things can really control us. You want to read your Bible because you don't, you don't want to do wrong things. You know one of the biggest things that people deal with in, the, in, in our lives? Pride. You think you have any pr uh, proud moments? You ever been treated wrong in church? What's your first reaction? 
I deserve better. Right? I've said that before. I deserve better. Have you ever said that? Well, don't they know who I am? It's called pride and arrogance. You know another thing that we deal with? Because right after pride, guess what comes another word called bitterness? We get mad. You think the Bible has anything to say about those two words? Absolutely it does. Young people, you know what your biggest influence is? It's usually friends. What's the Bible say about friends? Do a little research and read this verse. It says, but Amnon had a friend. That friend that Amnon had destroyed him and literally killed him later. You've got to watch who your friends are. So we've got to understand what the Bible's all about. Look at the next verse. It says this, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Interesting statement, unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished, what does this mean? We have everything that we need. Remember those words about good works? Let's compare these two. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let your light so shine before men that ye may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It almost puts it in perspective that you have to read the Bible to understand what good works is. Can you do good works for the wrong reasons? Can you do it with the wrong attitude? You ever done anything with the wrong attitude? And what happens when you do it for the wrong attitude? Do you think God's up there going, I am just so proud of Larry Hilton for doing that with the wrong attitude. Do you think that's what happens? God doesn't work that way. God sees through who we are. And so let's look at some of these words in the first verse. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Let's look at these. Doctrine. What is doctrine? What we believe. What the foundation of our beliefs are upon. We've went through the doctrines of what the Bible has. There's a doctrine of salvation. You can't get saved by being baptized. No one in the Bible got saved by being baptized. What's our illustration? You always hear me say, who did not get baptized and went to heaven? The thief on the cross. Now, it, it's, it, Jesus himself was baptized, right? So it's what we need to do, but it's just being obedient to what God's Word says. We've got to understand doctrine. You know, most people leave churches or go to a different type of church or, go, or just drop out of church because they don't understand doctrine. But the Bible says all Scripture is given. For doctrine, the next one for reproof. How do you like that when you're tested? How many of you like tests? Some of you, how many of you are going back to college? I see some of, some of you are college, college students right now. How many, do you still love those test days? I always loved giving tests to children. One, one boy, had, got his, his mom got so mad at me, and she called me up and said, I don't understand this, why you gave a quiz today? I said it was a pop quiz. He, she said that, and she said, I don't know why you didn't tell him it was coming. So that's probably why it's called a pop quiz, ma'am. I didn't say it that way, but I really wanted to. We've got reproof, some things that we're going to be tested on. Look at the next one for correction. How many of you like correction? You know what the Bible does? It corrects me. You ever had your attitude changed by the Bible? I have. God's always telling me what I need to change. My life is a constant revolving aspect of what God wants me to do. He always is changing me. And He changes me through correction. And sometimes I don't even think I'm doing something wrong and someone says, you're doing something wrong and God's Word says it and it's my attitude that I've got to deal with and I've got to deal with it. If I don't deal with it, what's going to happen? It's going to grow. 
The Bible says that we're supposed to use correction. And God's word will correct you. Sometimes I can really relate to Cain. Now, I'm not saying about the murder side. I'm talking about the way he responded to God. Because there's times when I do wrong, and there's times when you do wrong, and what happens? God tries to correct you, and you, you don't say, I'm not my brother's keeper, but you might say, that sin is not my fault. Whose fault is it? By word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Correction's not fun to go through, right? How many of you just love it when you're corrected? <laughs> Only one hand. <laughs> and I don't think he likes it, okay? No, he doesn't. Well, we'll try that tonight when we get home, son. All right, here we go. Correction. Now look at the next one. Instruction. Men, raise your hand real quick. All the men, raise your hand real quick. You know, there's nothing wrong with instruction, right? How many of you have ever bought something and tried to put it together without reading instructions? Raise your hand. Be honest with me. Denver, you can't read, okay? That doesn't count for you, okay? All right. Hey, what, what does this mean? You, you, I, I can figure this out. I can do this, right? And then what do you do? You do something wrong, mess it up, and then some, have you ever had to buy something again? Or do you, are you the one that goes back to the store and says, this isn't working? I only used it once. I bought a juicer for myself for one of my resolutions, amen? And I think I put the apples in too, far, too hard, as quick as I possibly could, and the juicer started smoking. I don't think it's supposed to do that. I had smoked juice, amen? Next time I do it, I'm not going to put them in as hard. But sometimes we don't read the instructions, do we? What do you think God wants us to do with his instructions? He wants to read it, wants us to read it. You know what I like about God's instruction manual? It's not any other language than the language that I know. There's nothing more frustrating than buying something and not find the language that you want. I can't speak German, although my name is Wagner. I know I can't speak Chinese or Arab, Arabic. I can't read it. As we look at these things, God writes it right in front of us, and he gives us instructions. He wants us to do it. Now, the next one, 2020, what are we going to do with this? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and we'll be done. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and I want you to see this and we'll, we'll be done. Doctrine um, is what we're standing on. Reproof is a testing. Corrections change us and instructions guide us. Go to Matthew chapter 4, and I want you to see this of what happens in the story, and then I'm going to point out a couple facts about it, and I want you to see this. In, Ma in Matthew chapter 4, you know the story. It says, when Jesus was led up in the spirit into the wilderness, he was to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took, um, taking him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in, in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. 
Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. That's interesting because he created those same mountains. Now look what it says. It says, And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not worship the Lord thy, thou, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. If you underline anything in your Bible, go to his response in verse number 10. Don't look at his response. Look at what he says before he responds, right after right, the first few words he says. You know, it, it, it's, the response is, thou shalt, worship the Lord, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But read what's in front of it. Jesus looks at him and says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But he says this, Satan, get thee hence, Satan. Look at these next five, four words. For it is written. You know, I've studied this and studied this and looked at this, and you wonder why the Creator himself, God, did not look at Satan and say, I am God, leave me alone. Now, I don't know about you, he was a man just as we are, and I can't imagine not eating for 40 days. His physical aspect of it, he was weak. But even in his weakness, he was stronger than we were. And Satan comes and he tempts him all this. And by the way, if you look at the first one, once he asked him the first time, he says, make what? He knew he was hungry. He said, make these stones into bread. And in your Bible, and probably my, I know my Bible does, and I've looked it up, you know what Jesus does? He turns in response to him and he re, 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 rewinds what was in De Deuteronomy and he reports back to him what Deuteronomy said in the law. He's quoting the Bible back to Satan himself. And he does this every time. For it is written. Now why did he do that? I kind of know why he did it. He didn't say, I am God, because he was God, correct? Jesus was God. But he didn't respond to Satan that way for a reason. Because I believe that Jesus was the example to us all. Because how many of you have ever been tempted by Satan? I have. It might not have been Satan himself, but it was a demon or there was something that was brought in my, my attention, something that was brought to me, made me think, and then I have to figure out what I'm going to do with this temptation. You ever been there? What is Jesus' response to Satan himself? Scripture. See, I personally could not, if, Jesus, if Satan was tempting me, I could not look at Satan and say, I am God, leave me alone. But I sure can do what Jesus did. I sure can turn it around and say, the Bible says this. See, Jesus was being an example to us of how we could respond to the same temptation. And what was His example? The Bible. You think God wants us to read the Bible? Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart, 
that I might not sin against them. A man by the name of David did that, and David was not a sinless person. But he, understand the, he understood the principles of what God had for him. But so often in our life, you know what we do? We think we can handle it. Let me tell you, the Bible is what we need. The Scripture is what we need. Sometimes I, there's books in the Bible that I like reading. One of my favorite books in the Bible, you've probably figured it out by now, is Matthew. I love book, the book of Matthew. Very easily written. I can follow it really well. And if you, you see me most of the time when I quote the Gospels, I always go back to Matthew because I like his writing. But then there's other books that I don't read that much, and when I read them, I think, man, I, I forgot about that. And then I, and I read I was thinking of some of the, the verses that you were reading when you talk about the joy of the Lord. You think God wants us to have joy in our life? Absolutely He does. Do you think you can have joy in your life if you're not reading the Bible? You will have it short term, but God wants you in 2020 to have it long term. I don't know what we're going to go through in 2020, but I think we'd agree on this. That God wants us to read that. And God wants us to teach us through it. He wants us to understand doctrine, what we stand on. He wants us to understand reproof, the testing that we go through, and the testing that He gives us. He wants us to understand the correction to change us. And then the last one, He wants to give us instruction to guide us. Do you think this is what God's Word does? you think God wants us to read this? 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It's a perfect plan that God has for us. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. God wants us to read them. What are we going to do with it? Satan tempted Jesus, and the way Jesus responded back to him was quoting Scripture. Isn't it interesting that Satan said, come and I'll give you all these, and he had already made all of them. Isn't it interesting that everything that Satan offered him, he already had. But he also knew that we are weak. He knew we had to understand Scripture. So when you deal with bitterness, you deal with anger, you deal with pride, you deal with lying, what does the Bible say about it? You won't know if you don't read it. You won't know if you don't read it. There's been some times when my daughters have watched a movie and they say, I'm going to read the book. I was like, why would you do that? And then they read the book and they, they tell me this. I don't know how many times they've told me this. The book is much better than the movie. You ever heard that? You ever noticed that? You think God wants you to read His Word? You read four chapters a day. You say, well, I'm already 12 days behind. We'll just read an extra chapter for, for about 12 times 4, 48 days, and guess what? You'll be right on time. God wants you to read His Word. If you don't, what's going to happen? You're going to be tempted, and you're not going to know how to respond. Jesus Himself responded the right way. And He responded as an example to us to learn Scripture, to combat what we go through. Isn't that great to know? I love what Jesus does. I love how Jesus responds to everything. Watch this, one last thing. Don't you find it very interesting? John the Baptist is talking about Jesus to his people, and he says, I can't even, 
I'm not even supposed to touch his shoes. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up on the scene. Thank the, God, thank the Lord for John the Baptist. Because I don't know what I would have done. I'd have argued with Jesus the whole time. No, I'm not going to do this. You baptize me. And what does Jesus do? He gets baptized. The Son of God gets baptized. Why? To be an example to us. Isn't it great that we have a God that's an example to us? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. People need to see your good works. How do you know what good works are? If you go through your filter, it's not the same good work as God's filter. Get God's filter, figure out what the good works are, and do it. You don't know until you read it. And you know what? I'm talking to the choir here. Most of you people read the Bible every day. Read four chapters. Read through that book. Read through the Bible the whole year. And guess what? You'll get up the next year and you'll go, wow, I did it. I can do it again. Isn't it a blessing to be able to read God's Word? Because there's other countries that can't even have the Bible. How many Bibles do you have? I have probably over a hundred Bibles in my, in my library. And there are some people that would do anything to have just one book of the Bible. We need to read it. We need to be example to those around us. We need to show our good works and let our light shine. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I say that sometimes, and sometimes we just flippantly say it, Lord, thank you for your word. I don't know what it would be like if we didn't have the letter, that you, the love letter you gave us. Lord, I thank you for the Pauline epistles. I thank you for how he writes, because he was a man just like us. He had faults that he had to deal with, and yet you used him despite all of his faults. He talks about his faults. He shows us that he's just a person just like us in his writings, but his writings are divine and given by you. Lord, may we get to the point where we realize we need to read the Bible. I know this is a basic thing for everybody in here, but it's 2020 and I don't want to wake up 2021 and say, what have I done with this year? And I do what I need to do. Lord, thank you for the things that you've done for us. Thank you for your word that never returns void to us. Thank you for the times when I've been talking to people and I remember verses that I've read that I didn't even know I memorized. Thank you for your, the power that's in your word. Thank you for your strength and I thank you for the joy of the Lord. And we understand that you have something for us. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed if you could stand for us with no one looking around. How many of you believe that God wants you to read his word? You raise your hand. How many of you believe that God wants you to read His Word all the way through? Let's surrender to that. We had 24 people sign up. I'm going to put that on. Well, I don't know if I want to do that and put my name on it. It's just something that you're saying, listen, God, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign my name to it. I would love to have 100 people at Bible Baptist Church read through their Bible. You know what it would do? No one looking around. It would strengthen our church. Everybody read through their Bible. Do you not think that's true? How many of you would agree if everybody read through the Bible, our church would be a different place? Would you raise your hand? Because we would know what, what to do and what not to do. And God would convict us all along the way. I'm begging you to pray about this. I'm begging you to say, Lord, I want to commit to this. I can read four chapters a day. I can get this done. 
wonderful to read the writings of Nehemiah, Isaiah, reading the book of Jonah, the book of Job. See how David fought. See how Daniel prayed. See how Joseph conquered. See how Paul changed. You think God wants us to do all those? Invitation's a little bit different. I'm going to pray. I want you to commit to something tonight. I want you to say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to read, and there's always busy schedules. If you don't believe that's true, set up a time that you want to read your Bible. The devil will do everything he can to destroy that time. Let's focus in on this tonight. We must read the Scripture. We must understand what the Bible says. Because there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of people saying things that they put enough Jesus in it to confuse you. We must know what we believe. We must understand reproof. We must understand instruction. Doctrine.